Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Part three of our NFC North opponent preview is brought to you by MyBookie. It's hard to believe, but football is almost back. Sports betting is exploding in popularity, and if you want to get in on the action with a trusted company that's been in business for years, MyBookie is the place for you. With an easy, no-hassle mobile site, 24-7 customer service, and bets on every sport and prop imaginable, MyBookie provides a fun, safe betting experience. And if you deposit today, MyBookie will give you a 50% deposit bonus. That's right. You put in $100, they'll give you $50. You put in $1,000, they'll give you $500. It's just that easy. Football weekends are the best, and they are just around the corner, but they're even more thrilling when every touchdown can win you more money. So go to mybookie.ag and sign up today with promo code BEARS100. That's promo code BEARS100. At mybookie, you play, you win, you get paid. The part three of the NFC North preview is also brought to you by SeatGeek. Let SeatGeek take the confusion out of your ticket buying experience. Their app scans the web for all the best deals to your favorite game, concert, or show and rates them on a scale of 0 to 10 to let you know if you're getting the best bang for your buck. So instead of shopping dozens of sites to find the best deal, let SeatGeek do the work for you. Use promo code ACAA at checkout to receive $20 off your first purchase. So what are you waiting for? That's promo code ACAA for $20 off your first purchase. SeatGeek, life's an event. We have the tickets. My guest today, as usual when it comes to the Minnesota Vikings, from SB Nation's Daily Norseman is Chris Gates. Uh, always enjoy having him on the show. And I don't have any news or notes. I don't have an off the subject. Uh, just one thing. I saw Spider-Man over the 4th of July holiday. Hope everybody had a good holiday. Um, and I thought I, w- I thought it was great. I really, really liked it. I'm a huge fan of the MCU. Uh, the mid credit scene was insane. For those of who have seen the movie, know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, definitely marvel or the mcu is doing doing justice to peter parker and the spider-man character um both the the uh andrew garfield and toby mcguire spider-man had their qualities there were some things to like and some things not to like and so on and so forth but i think they really found the perfect balance with tom holland uh as peter parker and uh as spider-man enjoyed the story jake gyllenhaal was a beast as mysterio uh, the 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 villain uh, in the movie uh, overall just fantastic so I'm really excited for and I'm not a Comic Con guy but Marvel's got a panel at Comic Con where supposedly they're going to be announcing Phase Four of the MCU so we finally get to find out what comes next what movies are coming uh, and everything like that we already know that the Black Widow solo movie is in production right now but we get to know what else is coming like when is Guardians three coming out. Is there going to be a Doctor Strange 2, Captain Marvel 2, Black Panther 2, so on uh, and so forth? Any new characters uh, getting introduced into the MCU that are getting an origin story or a solo movie or anything like that? That's coming up, I think, next weekend, like the 20th or whenever Comic-Con is, they have a panel. So 
keep your eyes peeled for that if you're a fan uh, of the MCU. Like I said, outside of that, nothing going on in the Bears uh, world that's with uh, that's newsworthy or anything like that. So we're just going to go ahead and dive right in to my talk with Chris uh, about the Minnesota Vikings. And um, we talk about Week 17, what happened there, how they really just weren't playing like a team with their season on the line. And all the credit in the world to Chris, he's in agreement. He, he's, there's no denying uh, what took place uh, in that uh, football game. And what the what the Vikings did over the offseason and in the draft to improve the team, to try to be able to come back to their 2017 form where they were one game away from the Super Bowl when they lost the NFC Championship game to the eventual Super Bowl champion uh, Eagles uh, that year. So, um, you know, can, Kurs, can Kirk Cousins answer the call when it comes to big time games and uh, and everything in between? We, we cover it all with Chris. And I just want one note about the interview. Uh, we did start having some technical difficulties about 20 or so minutes in. You'll be able to spot where, and then you'll hear a little transition noise, and then you'll hear basically part two of the interview where we kind of switched up formats a bit and uh, went on from uh, from there without any problems. So just in case you wanted to know why you hear the uh, knee-jerk reaction tackle sound in the middle of the interview, that's when we transitioned from what we were doing before to how we finished the interview just to give you a heads up so without further ado myself my good friend chris gates from sb nation's daily norseman previewing the 2019 minnesota vikings Part number three of our nfc north opponent preview has us in minnesota now with our longtime rival, the Minnesota Vikings, and seemingly the team that we're destined to finish the season with until the end of time. <laughs> um, and uh, here to help us talk about the Minnesota Vikings, as he always does, from the Daily Norseman on SB Nation, Chris Gates. Chris, welcome back, man. Um, uh, thank you for having me, as usual, Larry. And yeah, I, I think the, the Bears-Vikings Week 17 thing is getting to the point where it needs uh, Jim Nance and its own theme music because it really is starting to become a tradition like no other. Yes, yes, indeed. I mean, at, at the very least, maybe the NFL could break it up and, and, and switch locations from time to time. I mean, they're at least doing that with, with Green Bay and Detroit. They're flip-flopping. Like last year, they're in Green Bay. This year, they're going to be in Detroit. They could at least do that to mix it up a little bit. I mean, if we're destined to keep playing each other week 17, at least swap it up from time to time. So we play the early game in Minnesota, the late game in Chicago. Instead, they're just pretty much, you know, putting up a stencil when they, rec when they recreate <laughs> the schedule every year. Be like, yep, these go, because we're playing the Green Bay in the exact same weeks that we played them last year, week one, week 15. We're pretty much playing an identical schedule with the Lions, week 10, same as last year. I think it was week 10. No, week 11 was the first game last year. So we're playing a week earlier this year, but we're playing again on Thanksgiving. And then with us, uh, what was it last year? The, the last early year game. We didn't, last year we didn't play the first time until like week 10 or 11 or yeah, something like right. that. It was later you're on right. in the season. You're right, because it was, it was Detroit, Minnesota, Detroit. That was our schedule there at that one, yep. at that one juncture. But So they, they mixed it up that way. We play you week four first this time. But once again, week seventeen in Minnesota to to finish out the uh, finish out the year. So not a lot of imagination out of the NFL when it came to the division schedule for the Bears uh, this year. Almost none, actually. So, 
But no, uh, and I, I keep I keep waiting for him to play uh, to put Minnesota in Chicago week seventeen because I think the uh, since the schedule went to the way it did with division games always being a week seventeen, uh, we've hosted the Bears, we've hosted the Packers, we've hosted the Lions, uh, we've gone to Detroit, we've gone to Green Bay, but we have yet to go to Chicago under that format, and I'm not entirely sure why that is, but yeah, yeah. Kind of, kind of the same thing for us. We played, uh, we played in Green Bay in Week Two last year. We're playing in Green Bay at, in Week Two this year, and yeah. you guys in the, you guys in Week Seventeen again in uh, in Minnesota. And yeah, I, I don't know what goes into making. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. In the NFL schedule, but... Yeah, they they don't seem to uh, mix it up as much as they I guess probably need to. Right. Yeah. So, but anyway, week seventeen seems like a good place to start. It's the last time that we had a chance to talk, uh, Chris. Unfortunately, we didn't get to talk uh, the week after for the wild uh, card week. And uh, what was more surprising about the fact that the Bears won the game was how they won. The game week 17, aside from a kind of a furious run there in the third quarter, week 17 was heavily dominated by the Bears. And I don't even think anyone, including me as a Bear fan, saw it going down the way it did week 17. No, I I certainly didn't either, because, you know, the speculation all week was, you know, the Bears already have the division wrapped up. How much are their starters going to play? When is Matt Nagy going to start pulling starters and that sort of thing? And you know, I, I don't know what was going through Minnesota's head going into that contest. I mean, knowing that you have to win or your season's over, and to it, it, it kind of followed the pattern of the previous couple of weeks where they basically uh, decided to sleepwalk through the first half or most of the first half and even into the third quarter, and then hope they could pull it out in the second half. And you know, you can get away with that against teams like uh, Detroit and Miami, but not uh, not against this Bears team, and right. yeah, it uh, it ended uh, pretty badly as it probably should have with the way that game went. Yeah, it was very surprising. I mean, I I, I was not expecting that uh, at at all. Uh, you know, for it to to not be the contest that it ended up, uh, you know, ended up being, especially with the, like just looking at history, the Bears traditionally do not play well in Minnesota. We certainly don't win much in minnesota i think the last time we won in minnesota was like in 2011 when the metrodome was still standing uh Mm -hmm. kind of thing it's been a while since the bears had won uh in minnesota and for i think the most disappointing part was the you know like you said they they kind of slept walk through the first half they kind of had that 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 
where they got kind of close in the third quarter and then the Bears scored pretty much right away to kind of shut that down. It was almost like the Vikings thought they had extra time or something because they didn't play like a team that was playing for their season on that day. No, they really didn't, and as I, I don't understand what the uh, what the thought process was. And you know, as disappointing as the offense was in that game, because the offensive line was disappointing all year, and you know, even at the end of the game when the Bears were putting backups in there, the Vikings' offensive line were just getting worked yeah. by the the Bears' backups, which yeah. was bad. But you know, the the Vikings scored their touchdown to get to within three points, and they kicked the ball back off to the Bears again and they went out there and for the season they were the best third down defense in the NFL and you know on that drive that came after the touchdown they just couldn't get a stop they couldn't get off the field I think the Bears converted some like five third downs in that drive and you know like I said we expected the offense to sputter at times but you know you you really don't expect that from this defense and that was probably the most disappointing aspect of the entire thing to be honest i bet and you know like i said it was it was it was uh very surprising for the game to turn out the way it did and then like you said when Nagy finally did pull the starters our second teamers our third team guys were teeing off on your starting offensive line there in the last mm-hmm. five or six minutes of the game it's like wow what happened today it was like, I'm glad that we won the game, and, and you know, that's, that's great and everything. We got the sweep. We're 5-1 and one in the division. And, I, you know, I was almost disappointed in you guys. I, I really thought it was going to be, a, a, you know, like this is what Goodell wanted everybody finishing with division games. This is what that was for. And it, it, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't that at all. I was, I was very shocked about uh, how it all went down. Oh, believe me, uh, I think we all pretty much were as well. But, uh, yeah, that's uh... – that's just the way things go in the NFL, I guess, sometimes. Yeah. I don't know if there was a lack of preparation or what the case might have been, but, yeah, that, that team was playing for their season in that game, and they just didn't look like they were up to it for whatever reason. Did um, did the did Zimmer have an explanation for what happened? Was he giving all credit to the Bears? Was he saying this was my fault or, or anything like that afterwards? I, I can't remember what Zimmer said after the game. I mean, obviously he said that they didn't play well enough to win but i think he did give a fair amount of credit to the bears but yeah i would have to go back and dig up the quotes to see exactly what he said about that one so the season unfortunately uh comes to an end and uh unfortunately not playing you meant we had to play the fal or not the falcons the eagles and we all know how that worked out and we won't talk about that uh right now We've, we've got plenty of We've been it's been seven months and we're still talking about it kind of thing. So I think we'll avoid that uh, for now. The Vikings move into the off season, and it wasn't a very busy one uh, for you guys. Uh, you re-signed Anthony Barr, you re-signed Brent Jones, and then you bring in um, was it Shamar Steven from a defensive mm-hmm. tackle from uh, Seattle, and then you you sign some guards, Josh Klein from Tennessee and Dakota Dozier from the jets but i think the headlines for the vikings are who they let go there was kind of like andrew sandejo is gone george ioka is gone mike remmers uh latavius murray nick easton sheldon richardson so a lot of changes on the on the on in the trenches on the offensive line defensive uh line there was was that the main focus of the offseason for the vikings this year 
Uh, I Yeah, I think the big focus has been rebuilding the offensive line because I think that's been the focus for this team every year for the last five years, and it hasn't right. gotten done. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the writing was pretty much on the wall for Remmers and Compton because, you know, Remmers, they could let go without taking a huge hit, and moving him from tackle to guard was never a move that I was a fan of, and it wound up going poorly, and so he was out the door. Uh Richardson is probably going to be a significant loss, uh, depending on what the uh, the Vikings do at the three technique spot. Uh, that's going to be the only opening for a starter on the defense uh, because they did manage to pretty much keep everybody else. Um, but yeah, I, I guess the big signing of the offseason was Klein, who, depending on who you ask, is either an upgrade or kind of you know kind of level with uh, what we saw last year, but. Yeah, the, the Vikings knew when they signed Kirk Cousins to that big contract that they were probably going to have a couple of years where they weren't going to be uh, terribly active in free agency. Right. And we saw that this year. I mean, even even retaining Barr was a huge surprise because, you know, everyone had said that uh, he was signed and delivered to New York. And, right. Yeah, you know, he, then he decided, no, never mind. I, uh, he, he probably took one good look at the Jets and he was like, nah. <laughs> I want to be part of this, and yeah, he. I think he took less money to come back to Minnesota, but I mean, yeah, it, that that was the big surprise, I think, for pretty much everyone. Yeah, that was an interesting what twenty four, forty eight hours at the most, where you know the during the good old tampering period and everything, Anthony Barr was announced to to have signed a a big deal uh, with the Jets, and then oh wait, no, never mind. Anthony Barr decided at the last minute to resign and, and stay with the. Uh, with the Minnesota Vikings, How, what were your thoughts uh, on that? Were you happy that he came back? Did they did they spend too much money? Is it New York's loss? What what were your thoughts there? I, I was pretty happy that he came back because you know people you know say they look at his numbers and they say he might have had a down year or whatnot, but he's one of the guys in Zimmer's defense who you know they can move around and do different things with, and that kind of allows the rest of the defense to do. Uh, what they need to do because you know with his speed and his uh, ability to get after the quarterback and even to drop into coverage uh, he's one of the guys that uh, offensive coordinators need to account for all the time and if he had wound up leaving I'm not exactly sure who they would have tried to replace him with but uh, whoever would have been the replacement probably would have been a significant downgrade so yeah it's uh it was good for him to uh to come back, at least as far as the uh, the scheme on defense goes, I think. You think it would have altered your draft strategy if if you had no Anthony Barr? I I think they still would have gone after an offensive lineman early on, but yeah, then in the uh, second round they might have shifted focus to that uh, to that outside linebacker spot rather than uh, looking tight end in the second round. But yeah, it, it might have changed things a little bit, but I don't think it would have altered the first round pick too much because sure. I don't think there was anyone at the Viking spot at 18 that wound up uh, that that could have fallen to that spot that uh, that would have wound up you know being able to replace Barr adequately yeah the only guy that that comes to mind but I'm not sure if he's a scheme fit for you guys was that was Montez Sweat he was still there at 18 but yeah. I, I don't know if he would be if he'd be a stand-up outside linebacker or if a defensive end, which you guys don't need. 
No, and he he still had the uh, the things with his yeah, uh, medical true. issues, and yeah. you know I I don't think the Vikings were going to be inclined to take him. I know his uh, athletic profile was off the charts and whatnot, but yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they could have found a use for him in the Vikings defense, and he could have made an impact straight away. But yeah, with the with the issues that uh, had been talked about, I don't know if the uh, the Vikings would have been inclined to take him at that spot. So did, you guys did make some changes in the coaching staff. I know you changed offensive coordinators like midseason uh, and things mm-hmm. like that. Did 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 that OC stay, or do you have a new one now? Uh, yeah, they uh, they dumped uh, John DeFilippo. And uh, it was late in the season. It was yes, like it was. Before, it was before the Week 15 game, and uh, replaced him with Kevin Stefanski. Who's uh, Stefanski's interesting. He's he was on Brad Childress's coaching staff, and then he was on Leslie Frazier's coaching staff, and now he's on uh, Mike Zimmer's coaching staff. So he's been with the Vikings for a long time. I think he's coached just about uh, every position on the offense, and now he's going to get the uh, shot to be the full-time offensive coordinator. Uh, the, the more interesting thing is that they uh, brought in uh, Gary Kubiak to be a, uh, I guess, a consultant or okay. whatever his uh, his title might be. Uh, and they brought in a new offensive line coach in uh, Rick Dennison, who uh, Kubiak mm-hmm. worked with in Denver. And they're apparently going to go to uh, more of a finesse uh, zone type blocking scheme, which, uh, given the way the uh, the Vikings are constructed up front, uh, is probably going to, well, I should say probably, hopefully going to work out much better for them than what we've seen over the last couple of years. Yeah, it's always interesting um, how those uh, types of changes, and you wouldn't think there's a whole lot of room for finesse at the offensive line position. It's basically you pick the guy in front of you, you knock him down, or you get in his way, make sure he doesn't touch the guy coming in behind you or get to your uh, quarterback, but there are actually a lot of different ways you can run your scheme up front. Oh, yeah, and I'm I'm not a expert on offensive line play by any stretch but i've been trying to uh, to get smart on uh, some of the some of the differences and whatnot of a uh, zone blocking scheme and things of that nature and you know the vikings offensive line has or the vikings offensive line has a lot of smaller quicker type guys rather than you know big huge bruiser types and yeah. you know hopefully like i said with uh, with this new type of uh, blocking scheme hopefully things will go uh, better this season than they have the past few years yeah zone blocking does seem to favor like the smaller quicker uh offensive lines the more agile guys uh if you will uh up front and and dennison did that very well with with denver for for a long time so i, I think that could be a good move uh for mm-hmm. you guys now going into uh draft night what were the what were the mock drafts telling you what what were the experts saying that the vikings were going to do at 18 going in well it was interesting because uh, leading up to the draft we put a, a weekly mock draft database together and we have a 100 mock drafts from across the internet uh the week of the draft and uh you know just kind of looking around seeing what the experts are going to do uh try to give some other folks some exposure or whatnot and i think the percentage of mock drafts that had the vikings taking an offensive lineman in the first round was either in the high 80s or the low 90s so i think the consensus was pretty much that the uh, the vikings were going offensive line in the first round uh going offensive line i believe had them taking uh defensive tackles or things of that nature but yeah i, I think pretty much everyone in vikings fandom was uh locked onto this team taking an uh, offensive lineman in the first round even though it's not something they've done a lot of in recent years 
Right. But uh, was it was it the guy that you ended up going with, Garrett Bradbury from from NC State, or was it uh, was it was there someone else that the the mock draft and or experts favored besides the guy that you ended up picking? Uh, Bradbury actually did wind up being the, uh, the consensus top overall guy in the, uh, the last installment of the database. I believe he got uh, about 32 or 33 percent of the uh, selections. Hmm. Uh, some of the other names that were mentioned, uh, guys like Cody Ford, uh, uh, Jonah Williams, was... but thankfully we dodged that bullet, uh, at least for this season, as far as uh, Williams is concerned. But uh, yeah, uh, after his combine, I think Brad Barry just kind of slowly started gaining momentum, and yeah, he uh, he played well enough where Vikings decided to make him the 18th overall pick. All right, so we we go with the uh, the offensive linemen, and <laughs> those O line picks always provide me with with my favorite moment in the NFL draft, and that would be the 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 moment where like the the team announces their pick, and that's when the cameras go right to a fan of the team that's making the pick. They announce the pick, and it is clear on the fans' face they have no idea who that is. They don't have a clue. Garrett Bradbury, not exactly a household name, you know, but he's the crown jewel of your draft class. Wow. He's your number one pick, and it, you just see the look on their face like, uh, yay, we picked a guy. Woohoo! <laughs> like, who is that? I have no idea who that is. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. I, I always love that moment. It always makes me laugh. You just see that, that, that blank, clear, that blank look come across their face like, uh, are we happy about this? We made a pick. Hooray! You know, that kind of thing. I always love, uh, to see that. So it's always entertaining to see those moments to make this choice. It's clear that fan has no idea who that person is. They can't wait for the camera to cut away so they can Google that person's name and find out who the hell that person <laughs> is that they just selected. <laughs> so technical difficulties aside, Chris, we're back to talk about the rest of your uh, draft. Garrett Bradbury, your your first round pick. Uh, not exactly a name that strikes fear in the hearts uh, of anybody, but he's actually I got a question before we move on with the rest of the draft. Um, uh -huh. I've got Bradbury just listed as an offensive lineman, as an OL, not a tackle, not a guard, a center. Where do you think Bradbury's going to fit in the offensive line? Well, uh, yeah, they've already made the announcement, I think, that uh, that Bradbury is going to be the starter at center uh, okay. this year. They're going to they're gonna push uh, Elfline over to guard. Uh, Elfline played guard at Ohio State and uh, was an All-American there before they moved into center. So yeah, it sounds like uh, yeah, Bradbury is definitely going to be the uh, starter at center, uh, barring some sort of injury issue. All right, so then we move on to uh, to day two, uh, the Vikings' next pick, fiftieth overall, a second round pick, going with Irv Smith, the tight end out of uh, Alabama. Now, was this before or after it was finally settled that uh, Rudolph was coming back? Um. There was rumors all through draft weekend that uh, that Rudolph was going to get traded to someone. Obviously, the Patriots were the big name that came up. But uh, yeah, I, Rudolph at the time was in the last year of his contract anyway, and so they didn't uh, didn't have anything to uh, to back him up with. So uh, yeah, this was before anything was really officially decided with Rudolph, like before his extension or any of that sort of thing, and. Yeah, you know, I, I think the uh, I think the Vikings are 
looking to use more multiple tight end sets anyway. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, the uh, the Smith pick kind of made sense there uh, regardless, I think. Yeah, so it was either insurance in case he goes or we're adding quality depth and a number two guy that will probably see a lot of the field. Yeah, and, uh, you know, he, he's probably eventually going to be the number one guy in this offense. I mean, Rudolph's not getting any younger, right. uh, obviously, but uh, – yeah, I, I think the uh, the offense the Vikings are going to want to run is going to have a lot more uh, multiple tight end looks. And, uh, yeah, Irv Smith is the you know, the kind of guy. Uh, Rudolph isn't really going to stretch the uh, the field down the middle or anything, but Smith has more of that capability than Rudolph does, and I think he's going to be a uh, pretty solid complement in that regard. All right, so then we go to the, to the third round, and the third round was the round of running backs. I mean, that's where... The Rams got a guy. The Bears got theirs. Buffalo drafted a running back in the third round. I'm sure there was another team or two in there. And then with probably one of the last picks in the third round, you guys take Alexander Madison from the from Boise State there. Is this a Latavius Murray replacement, or is that going to be up to somebody else? I, I think that's the reason the Vikings took a guy like Madison is to be more of the uh, goal line type of guy, uh, short yardage, uh, type of back uh, obviously the hope that dalvin cook uh, can actually stay healthy this season which is right. something he hasn't managed to do over his first two years and if he does stay healthy he's going to see the lion's share of the snaps but uh yeah i think uh madison is more of the uh, short yardage uh bruiser type running back that can uh, get a yard or two when you need it and be used out on the goal line as well so yeah i, I think that's where he fits in with the uh, minnesota's offense right now and then day three of the draft for the Vikings could be uh, categorized, uh, I think, generously as busy. Um, you had nine picks on day three. One pick in the fourth round, but you had four in the sixth and four in the seventh. For starters, where did all of these picks come from? They come from Rick Spielman's addiction to uh, sixth and seventh round picks, basically. Yeah. What happened? Well, they started out by trading down either three or four times in the third round because, you know, they were initially picking in the middle of the third round and they traded down a bunch of times and wound up with the last pick in round three. And they got a bunch of extra picks uh, as a result of that. And yeah, if you're Rick Spielman, you can never have too many sixth and seventh round picks. I don't know exactly what the what the thought process behind that is mm-hmm. but that that's just the way spielman's always done things so yeah you yeah, said yeah, uh you said it's a you say it's an addiction I, I definitely think he does have a problem uh for he, sure he does he's yeah he needs an intervention or something something four sixth round picks four seventh rounders and oh yeah you had a fourth rounder in there another offensive lineman drew samia or samia i guess uh guard from oklahoma so more offensive line depth there and then in the sixth round, the four picks were uh, a linebacker, Cameron Smith from USC. You got Armin Watts, a defensive tackle from Arkansas. Marcus Epps, a DB from Wyoming. And then you're going to have to add, help me with the last guy. I'm, I see Olas, Olas Samica? Olas Amica? Oli. O-L-I. Oh, O-L-I. Yeah, we'll just go with that then because he's got <laughs> yeah. like 19 letters in his first name. Uh, yeah. Udo would be his last name, a tackle from uh, smaller school, Elon. Uh, yes. that I am familiar with. It's a 1AA uh, program. So um, out of that bunch in the sixth round, anybody that could be a contributor or maybe a special teams guy, anything like that? 
I really think Watts has the ability to contribute right away. He was kind of a guy who was a uh, he was a bit of a late bloomer at Arkansas. Really came on his uh, last year at uh, in Fayetteville, mm-hmm. and I think if any of those sixth round picks has the ability to make a real impact, he might be uh, the guy. Just given uh, the ability of Andre Patterson and the Vikings coaching staff to uh, develop defensive linemen the way they have over the years. And, uh, yeah, I think out of the four six-rounders, he's probably the one. Uh, Udo is probably a project at this point. Uh, Epps Epps has gotten a lot of positive uh, press coming out of uh, camp or coming out of, yeah, the OTAs and the mini camps. Uh, I haven't gotten to see him personally or anything. And uh, Cameron Smith is kind of one of those guys that just kind of screams a special teamer to me. Sure. Uh, I mean, obviously, you need guys like that on your roster, but uh, yeah, he's a yeah. I think he's kind of a special teams type of guy at this point. And then in the seventh round, the last four selections in the seventh round, uh, Chris Boyd, another DB out of Texas, back to back wide receivers in in Dylan Mitchell out of Oregon and Olabisi Johnson. That one was a little bit easier on me. Olabisi Johnson, yes. out of Colorado State. And then uh, sticking with the um, the Mountain West Conference there at the end, you drafted a long snapper, which you don't see very often. Austin <laughs> Cutting out of Air Force to to round out the uh, the seventh round. Are the Vikings in need of a long snapper? Is that why we drafted one? Uh, well, I mean, I don't know if they had an issue with uh, Kevin McDermott. He had done a pretty solid job over the uh, the past couple of years. Uh, he is scheduled to make. Uh, couple million dollars i think this year is the uh, the long snappers so uh you know you could obviously get a cheaper option in the seventh round if you wanted to right at least uh, early on i don't know if, how much that had to do with it but uh yeah it, it was a surprising pick uh i was sad that rich eisen didn't go crazy over that selection the way right. he does over uh, kickers and punters because i guess <laughs> long snappers aren't people i guess not uh, you know and, to, uh, and i take yeah. offense as a former long snapper i take offense to that that we don't we don't get to be people along with kickers and punters. I, I am insulted by that. No, I mean, I, I mentioned it to him on the Twitter machine, and, you know, he, <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't come back with anything. So, I mean, yeah, uh, we can we can conclude uh, without any real uh, argument that long snappers apparently are, in fact, not people. According to sad. Rich Eisen, yes, which is yeah. very, very sad. So, so overall, you know, it, it, it seems like a very top-heavy draft. You got Bradbury, you got Irv Smith was one of the better tight ends in the draft you got that running back late in the third round there and then i mean are we looking for anything from samia there that fourth round pick before we get to the plethora of sixth and seventh round guys i i think samia is going to have a shot to at least push uh josh klein for a starting spot at guard uh if not he's uh, going to provide some pretty quality depth i think he's a guy that uh, people were surprised was available at that spot, I think most people expected him to go on day two. And uh, that was one of the few uh, trades up the Vikings actually made as opposed to uh, continuously trading down. They uh, they did move up to get him, if I remember correctly. So, yeah, I, I think they're expecting something out of uh, Samia to be at, at least depth, if nothing else. But, uh, yeah, the the quality at the top of the draft was pretty good, I thought. So that was the thing that the Vikings have actually done really well over the last uh, several years is that they've hit more than they've missed with their top picks, their first-round pick, their second-round pick, and where the Bears are just the opposite. Maybe every once in a while we'll hit on a first-rounder where we find success is in day two, 
day three. Like we've had like three, four years in a row where a fifth or fourth round pick has be well, I mean, Tariq Cohen and Eddie Jackson both made all pro uh, last year. Bilal Nichols was a fifth round pick. Uh, Jordan Howard was a fifth round pick. We've been pretty good at hitting on those picks. You think that's what Rick Spielman is looking to do here with the eight picks he had in the last two rounds? I mean, I'm sure he probably was. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of quality to be had late in the draft still. And the Vikings, I don't know if they really have a lot of available spots on the 53-man roster Mm -hmm. uh, at this point. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you could just as well take some flyers on some guys that you think have some talent toward the end, uh, you know, rather than, you know, trying to fight uh, people in undrafted free agency and whatnot if there's guys that you're really focused on. And, yeah, I, I think, that uh, that's a part of what Spielman's trying to do because they have had some success uh, with lower round guys as well. If you look at players like uh, Stephen Weatherly, uh, obviously Stephon Diggs, and uh, you know players like that, David Morgan, even. But yeah, I mean, I, I I'm not entirely sure why Spielman likes having as many late round picks as he does, but that, that probably has at least a little bit to do with it, if nothing else. Sure. Sure. Did you guys uh, make any moves in undrafted? I know everybody signs a few guys, but uh, you had twelve draft choices. Did did you? How many undrafted guys did you get? Uh, I think there were about a dozen. I don't have the whole list in front of me. Uh, the the big name that uh, that the Vikings signed in undrafted free agency was uh, Jake Browning, uh, the quarterback out of uh, Washington. Okay. Uh, Browning had an amazing sophomore year where he threw for 40 some odd touchdowns and finished like fifth in the Heisman trophy voting as a sophomore. And then his junior and senior years, he was nowhere near as good as he was in that season. But, uh, yeah, he's probably the highest profile, uh, undrafted free agent the Vikings brought in. And, you know, I don't know if they want to keep him around on the practice squad or if they think they or if they think he has a chance to uh to be the third string guy or whatever the case may be but yeah outside of him i don't think there were a whole lot of uh remarkable uh, undrafted free agents brought in by the uh the vikings this time around right now the bears um <laughs> the bears went heavy on undrafted free agents because we only had five uh draft choices uh this yeah. year so we signed 21 undrafted free agents uh i think one or two that we let go one of which was replaced by uh ej clemmings or tj clemmings uh to he's going to be a a camp body uh apparently see if he's got any juice left in uh in that old uh offensive line body of his so um we'll see what uh what if anything we can get out of him uh other than than maybe somebody taking up some space on the roster to, to give us 90 guys to go to camp with so uh, but we'll see. So, so we're done with the draft. We've, uh, you know, had a very busy draft day, or at least the draft Saturday. Anyway, nine picks in the last uh, on the last day uh, of the draft. That's more than most teams have. No, most teams don't have nine picks. You had it on day three, which is interesting. Um, so we move into now. We're, we're heading for we're headed towards 2019 now. And and what are some of the storylines that uh, that we should keep an eye on? when it comes to the Vikings heading into the season? Well, obviously the big one is going to be uh, how Kirk Cousins handles year two in Minnesota. Obviously he had the stats uh, last year. He threw 30 touchdown passes, which I believe was a career high. But, you know, we saw it too often in uh, big games. You know, we saw it 
uh, in that Week 17 game against the Bears. Yeah. Uh, saw it when the Vikings went out to Seattle on a Monday night. Yeah. That you know he just had really bad games at the worst possible times, and you know I, the offensive line has a lot to do with that. But you know he is going to need to uh, to step up and make some plays uh, when the team needs them this year because with the rest of the talent on this team, there's no reason for this team to miss the postseason again. And I think that uh, in a scheme that he's going to be more comfortable with, uh, I, I'm hoping that we're going to see a lot better production from him, particularly in a close and late game type situations. Uh, that's probably the big one uh, along with the uh, along with how the offensive line develops, which, as I've said, has been an ongoing storyline for this team for what seems like forever. Sure. And to talk about Cousins, I mean, that was kind of something that was a stigma for him in in Washington, but in his defense, he wasn't playing on the best teams uh, in Washington. Coming to Minnesota with the team that that you guys had in in 2017, it was supposed to be a plug-and-play, just throw him in there and we're off to the races uh, kind of thing, and then, like you said, had trouble coming up in those big games. That Sunday night game in Chicago, the the game in uh, in Seattle that you talked about, and then obviously Week 17 with the season uh, on the line uh, didn't do much to help you guys out there uh, either. Is that something that Minnesota fans are wary of at this point? I mean, what's the support for Kirk Cousins like after year one? I mean, I think they kind of have to be. Um... You know, obviously, it's something that we've seen actually firsthand now, um, rather right. than you know just hearing it from bitter, disgruntled Washington fans who are basically, yeah, we're glad he's gone, he sucked, right. uh, that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's something the Vikings fans are uh, more wary of than they were, and it's not like he did that all the time last year. I mean, he had the the nice comeback in Green Bay in a game that the Vikings should have won, right? And, uh, you know, but. Yeah, just as the season wore on, it got uh, it got worse. It seemed like, and yeah, I, I think this is something that uh, the uh, the Vikings faithful are going to keep an eye on this year because you know whether they like or whether we like it or not, this team is married to Kirk Cousins for uh, this year and probably next year as well. So yeah, uh, yeah, here's hoping he can take the next step forward and you know make that uh, contract a little more justifiable. Right. Yeah. I mean, he's he's fully guaranteed across the board for all three years. So, yeah, I mean, it's you're pretty much stuck with him until next year uh, at the very least. And, and so you getting somebody to take on that contract uh, for you. And even then, there's some kind of salary cap hit implications with that. I've never really understood. But, um, yeah. So, I mean, are there any other position battles like on the offensive line uh, who are who are battling for spots? And, and who do you think who do you think the offensive line is going to be when it's all said and done? Uh, I think your starters across the offensive line, at least to start the year, is going to be uh, Riley Reef at left tackle. Uh, Elf line is going to move over to left guard. Uh, Bradbury is going to be your center. Uh, Josh Klein is going to be uh, your right guard. And uh, Brian O'Neill will be back at uh, right tackle. And uh, other than that, I think there's going to be a lot of fights for uh, depth, uh, whether it's a swing tackle, whether it's guys like uh, Rashad Hill or uh, – Aviat Collins or Drew Samia or uh, Danny Isadora, whoever steps up in a camp, because, you know, we've seen <clears throat> even if you have talented positions, uh, you're going to need talented guys behind them without uh, too much of a drop off. So uh, I think the starters on the offensive line are going to be basically set. 
but uh, the battle for the uh, the depth spots behind them should prove to be pretty interesting, I think. And how about the uh, the wide receiving core? Was was it injuries uh, last year that kind of that held the guys back a bit? I mean, I know overall they didn't have they had fairly decent seasons, but it just didn't seem to have the same impact as it did in twenty seventeen. No, and I think as the year went on, teams started. Uh, showing double teams to both uh, Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen more frequently. And uh, Laquan Treadwell continued to be a flop uh, for the most part. So, uh, yeah, there was really not a number three guy uh, to uh, to come in and take up that slack. (coughs) Uh, That's probably going to be a big part of the reason we see more uh, two tight end sets with Rudolph and Irv Smith. But uh, the the third wide receiver spot is going to be a pretty interesting uh, competition uh, just because you know somebody has to benefit from uh, teams paying extra attention to uh, Theon and Diggs all the time, and yes, I guess it's just going to be a matter of who uh, Kirk Cousins develops the best chemistry with, whether it's uh, Jordan Taylor, uh, whether it's Dylan Mitchell or uh, Ola B.C. Johnson or uh, whoever the case may be. And then on the defensive side, you guys have a, an embarrassment of riches in in the corner. Uh, position with Hughes and Xavier Rhodes and such um are there any open spots on you know like nickel corner or anything like that on the defensive side well the uh, the corner situation is getting to be a little dicey uh actually because uh we're hearing uh rumors that uh Hughes might not be ready for the start of camp oh. after tearing his ACL last year uh, he's made some progress in his rehab but he might have to start out on the uh, physically unable to perform list mm. And, uh, yeah, also Holton Hill, who uh, was an undrafted free agent who came on uh, late last year, is going to miss the first four games of the season <coughs> because of a uh, PED suspension. Uh-oh. So uh, at corner, you've got Rhodes and you've got Trey Waynes and you've got uh, Mackenzie Alexander at the nickel corner. Uh, but, uh, yeah, beyond those three, uh, things are going to be a little iffy. Uh, I think Chris Boyd has some potential. Uh, and... Uh, yeah, we're going to have to see how the depth chart fills out behind him. But, yeah, about the only starting spot uh, that's going to be open and available on defense at this point is the uh, three-technique tackle now that Sheldon Richardson's moved on to Cleveland. And, uh, you know, we mentioned Shamar Stefan earlier. Uh, he spent the first four years of his career in Minnesota, so he knows the scheme. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah, we'll have to see how things uh, shake out behind him, whether someone like uh, – Jalen Holmes or Jaleel Johnson or uh, even Hercules Mata'afa, who's gotten a little bit of uh, of steam this offseason, who's uh, made the move to uh, defensive tackle as well, uh, see if he can play a role in uh, in this defense. But, yeah, it's uh, there's not a lot of starting spots to be had on the uh, the defensive side. But, uh, yeah, they're, once again, the battle for depth spots is going to be uh, pretty interesting to watch. So considering that the offense or and the defense or just the roster in general seems to be in as good a shape it was or as it is now, not a lot of spots to fill. You weren't very active in free agency. It was more about trying to keep guys as opposed to losing, uh, you know, and things like that. It's more of a roster that requires maintenance instead of an overhaul uh, kind of thing. Very much like the the position that the Bears were in, other teams like the Rams and the Saints tweaking this adding that you know no big holes to fill more so about adding depth and making sure that uh you know god forbid if we lose somebody somebody quality can step up uh behind them uh kind of thing overall what was it that you think that the vikings struggled with 
last year to end up in the spot that they were in? I think, uh, once again, more so than anything else, it goes back to just how bad the offensive line was last mm. year. I mean, the the running game was basically non-existent. And, I mean, some of that owes to uh, Dalvin Cook being injured. But for the most part, the run blocking just was not very good. And uh, I believe Pro Football Focus uh, said that they gave up more quarterback pressures than any team in the league, which is never a category you want to lead the league in. Right. And, uh, yeah, hopefully uh, – yeah, I, I think that's the biggest part of what happened last year. I mean, there wasn't a lot of change on the offensive line from the year before to last year, but uh, the difference was, you know, we had a quarterback in uh, Case Keenum who could uh, show a little bit of escapability and kind of, you know, extend plays and whatnot. And Cousins, for all his talents and all his abilities, is not uh, that kind of quarterback, and they didn't really do anything to uh, – to fix the situation going into last season. And I think that's why their uh, primary focus was on that area uh, this past off season in the draft and whatnot. Sure. Sure. So brief look at the schedule before we let you go, Chris. And um, it looks like your uh, big games, if you will, are, are more so in the second half of the, of the year. You start at home with the Falcons you're at green Bay, which is a revenge <clears throat> game for both of you. Cause neither of you won week two, in Green Bay last year. Uh, you're home for the Raiders, then at Chicago for that early date, week four, uh, against the Bears. Then at the Giants, home for the Eagles, which would be a bigger game for you. At Detroit, and then Thursday night against the Redskins. So there's your first national TV game uh, of the year. It's a um, well, it's actually in Minnesota, so I was going to say it's a return home for Kirk Cousins, but it's in Minnesota. But that's a Thursday night game at Kansas City after that. Uh, at the Cowboys for Sunday night football, another big game for you. And then home for the Broncos before a week 12 bye, so a late bye for the Vikings this year. Yep. Yeah, uh, always. I think it's always nice to have the late bye. I hate having the, the bye early in the season, like week five or week six, because, you know, uh, you know, you go into that home stretch, you don't really get a lot of a break. Uh, last year the bye was right in the middle of the season, which was also nice. But, yeah, I, I do like the idea of the late bye uh, for this team, especially being the, uh, the veteran club that they are. And then uh, off the bye, you're at, at Seattle for Monday night, so another revenge game there. You lost a big game in Seattle last year. Home for the Lions at the Chargers on Sunday night football, then home for Green Bay on Monday night, so some three almost back-to-back uh, big games. And then surprise, surprise, Week 17, Home for the Chicago Bears. Stop me if you heard that one before. So fourth year in a row, fifth time in the last six years, we're ending it in Minnesota against the Bears. So um, like you and I were talking about at the top of the show, not of a lot of imagination with the NFL as far as the schedule is concerned, but two very big games for the Vikings at the end, uh, especially if you guys are in the running for it. Three out of the last four uh, are division games. Home for the Lions, and they're all home games too. Home for the yep. Lions, home for the Packers, home for the Bears to uh, to finish out the uh, to finish out the year. So that's a uh, December is going to be a big month for the Vikings this year. It certainly is. Yeah, we get all the uh, divisional road games out of the way by I believe it's either week seven or week eight. Yeah, yeah I think it's week seven because I week think we seven, play the yeah. Lions in Detroit in week seven, and yeah, so that uh, that stacks up nicely for us. And you know that's uh, that's been Cousins' other uh, kind of bugaboo, I guess, is that he hasn't done great in uh, primetime games 
he did play well in the uh, Sunday nighter against Green Bay at home last year, but yeah, all the other primetime games, he looked pretty bad. And so the National Football League decided to give us five primetime games this year, which was uh, which was nice of them. So, right. yeah, I hope that's uh, that's just one more thing that needs to be overcome, and hopefully he can make that happen. Yeah, it's kind of like one of those old-school dads who teaches his kids how to swim by throwing them into the water. They're either going to figure <laughs> it out or they're not. So, here, yep. just throw you in there. You know, you're either going to figure out how to win those spotlight games or you're just going to keep losing them. It's up to you. Kind of yep. Thing. Yeah, last year was definitely not figuring out, but uh, yeah, this year hopefully things will be different. Yeah, especially since they all come in the second half of the yep. year. They start week eight, and like you said, you have th- three in the month of December there right at the very end uh, of the year. So it's going to be a sink or swim month one way or the other for the Vikings. Yep, it sure is. And, you know, the, this team has enough talent to be there at the end. It's just a matter of whether or not they can uh, they can get the big games handled and whatnot so hopefully that's something that will happen so what uh what are you what are you looking for with the team this year i mean do you have an idea for, i'm not going to ask you for for a record but you know wh- where do you think the vikings can go this year uh, i like i said i don't think there's any reason why this team shouldn't get back to the playoffs this mm-hmm. year um they should definitely be in contention for a playoff spot and yeah, I I will be disappointed if they're not uh, in the tournament at the end of the year. Sure. Um, like I said, they've got all the talent to be there. Um, yeah, I, I think anything short of at least a playoff berth, and if nothing else, a, a significant playoff run uh, is going to be classed as a disappointment for this team. Where do you think that puts Zimmer if they fall short again? Uh I don't think he would lose his job if they fell short, but his uh, seat going into 2020 would definitely be uh, significantly warmer than it is now. I so, uh, yeah, they, uh, yeah, if if they don't make it this year, he's uh, he's going to have some uh, some things to answer for. And like I said, I don't think they'd fire him if they didn't make it this season, unless they completely bottomed out and went like three and thirteen or something, which I don't see happening. But right. yeah, if if they don't make it this year, I think. Uh, He's going to be one of those coaches on the hot seat going into uh, 2020 with the with the roster this talented and you know an ownership group that uh, that really wants a, a title in the city. Sure, sure. So, yeah, I mean the the Vikings are definitely going to be a team to watch. I mean, this is the NFC that we're talking about, and that <clears throat> that sends a different team to the Super Bowl pretty much every single year. And uh, so it, it's 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 a wide open race pretty much for for anyone. If you can put it together, uh, it's yours. It's not like the AFC where it's the same two or three teams uh, every single year. So I mean, it's it's always uh, it's always an open race uh, in the NFC. So I I I don't have any issues, you know, making the Vikings uh, a playoff team uh, as well. I'm I'm with you on that one. I, I think they'll be one of the six at the end of the at the end of the year and uh, trying to figure out how to win some January games uh, this time around. So I, I would not be shocked at all to, to, to be talking about uh, a playoff game for Minnesota this year. No, it certainly would be uh, nice if it happened because, you know, we got that big disappointment at the end of last year. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of guys on this team that got a taste of it in uh, 2017 when they came close and, you know they're all going to want to get back there, and hopefully that'll be enough to uh, propel this team back into the uh, postseason and hopefully onto a, a significant run there. You know what's interesting? Uh, before I let you go, thinking about how the Vikings and their playoff runs have been 
over the last several years. I'm, I'm thinking even back to like 2000 and such is that I noticed that the end of the year is always crushing in one way or the other. Like I think back to some of the, you know, <laughs> you thinking say- back, go ahead, you know, yeah. Well, to the, to the 98 championship game, that was an absolute heartbreaker, you know, overtime loss, that kind of thing. You get back to the NFC title game in 2000. It's like the Vikings never got off the bus 41 to nothing. They lose uh, to the giants and, and, you know, the, the heartbreaker to, um, uh, or actually that was the heartbreaker for the saints, not you guys. Um, but you get to the NFC championship game. You look like the team to beat against the, the Eagles after scoring the first touchdown in the game. That was pretty much it. You're blown out by the, the Eagles, uh, a kind of thing. It just seems like it's one extreme or the other for the playoff runs for the Vikings over the, or the last several years. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you talked about uh, 2009 with all the... Uh, oh, right. Yeah. Jesus Christ, Brett Favre. Yeah. Wow. And the, uh, and, the, and the bounty thing that came from that. And all right. The, uh, the dirtiness and uh, Blair Walsh missing a field goal that he probably should have made in his right. sleep against Seattle. Seattle, that's right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we're, uh, we're up for getting our souls crushed on a, uh, a regular basis. That's just kind of what we do here in Minnesota. Yeah. <laughs> Just once, I mean, I I actually have a shirt in my closet that says "Just one before I die." You know, <laughs> when, you know, I I I look forward to the day where I can maybe think about throwing that shirt out because I won't need it anymore. And you know, yeah, it it would be awesome for it to happen. It would have been awesome for it to happen a couple years ago when the Super Bowl would have been in Minnesota. Yeah, but sure. uh, yeah, we're uh, that's like I said, that's just kind of what we do. We just. Uh, get our souls ripped out on a regular basis and yeah. every every year we keep coming back and asking for more i don't know if that says uh more about the team or more about us well but, isn't uh, that the uh yeah. what they say that that's the definition of insanity to it sure is you know and in, in, in uh doing the same thing over and over again expecting a different result yeah um, and, uh, and by that standard nobody is more insane than we are i guess <laughs> well the bears uh well. bear fans are giving you a run for your money that's for sure uh, we keep coming <laughs> back so but uh, we'll see how the year uh, shapes out uh, for both our squads. Uh, we get to talk early. Uh, week four, we'll have you back on to uh, preview that first month and, and see how our teams are going to wrap up the uh, the month of September. And then, as usual, we'll uh, we'll have a date around Christmas time to uh, to talk about week seventeen and where our teams are at and how important that week seventeen game may or may not be. Um, that we're engaging in uh, the, at the end of the uh, season. Um, but uh, where can we keep up with you uh, in the meantime, Chris? Uh, we've got all our stuff at uh, dailynorseman.com. Uh, Twitter handle, as usual, is uh, at dailynorseman. And, uh, yeah, we're uh, getting ready for camp, and we're going to start uh, pushing out a lot more stuff here uh, going forward. So, yeah, it's, uh, it should be pretty exciting. Yeah, this is uh, this is what I call the. Even though the temperatures are getting warmer and warmer, this is the Siberia of the off season, where there. <laughs> I mean, especially in this like six week period, from the end of mini camps to the beginning of training camp, where everybody's on vacation, unless they're getting arrested, you're not hearing about anything that the teams uh, are doing uh, or anything. So in, in this one, in this six week period, no news is good news. Uh, for the most part but this is that time of year where there's literally nothing going on so that's why I like to keep myself busy doing shows like this with the opponent previews and that's why I I enjoy having you on the show when the Minnesota Vikings come up 
Well, thank you for having me, Larry. And I'm already looking forward to uh, week four. And yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully both our teams will be making uh, quite a bit of noise this year in the NFC. Sounds good. Chris Gates from the Daily Norseman from SB Nation, helping us preview the 2019 Minnesota Vikings. Remember, guys, Bears100 is the promo code to get your 50% deposit bonus at MyBookie and ACAA, promo code ACAA, for $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek. want to thank Chris Gates for coming back onto the show once again. And, uh, you know, him and, and, and Jeremy and, and Evan Western, um, my, my, my respective Vikings, Packers, and Lions guys have been guests since the first year that I started doing, they've been back every year and I enjoy talking to them um, every time I really do. And uh, so as, uh, as long as I can keep getting them to come back, they will be the people that we speak to in regards uh, to our NFC North brethren. And uh, speaking of which um, Lauren Cox has been a good friend of the show since I think 2016 will be back with us later this week to help preview our beloved Chicago Bears, because we've come to the end of the road of our 14-show series that is the 2019 Opponent Preview uh, series. Uh, I've had a blast uh, doing this, as I'm sure you've heard me say in the other 12 episodes, <laughs> including this one, uh, number 13. Uh, next one will be the 14th and final, where uh, Lauren and I will do a deep dive on our beloved Chicago Bears uh, talk about the uh, the off season, uh, the moves that were made, including the hiring and of uh, Chuck Pagano losing Vic Fangio, uh, Bryce Callahan, Adrian Amos, Buster Scrine, uh, Cordero Cordero Patterson, so on and so forth, and everything in between. The draft, looking ahead to 2019, will cover it all. So I hope that you will join us uh, for that one. That episode will drop on Friday for sure. So uh, be on the lookout for that, and we'll f- wrap this up. Wrap this opponent preview series up for 2019 and get ready for the preseason and everything. But don't forget, we have our little interview series before the preseason gets underway. Uh, first up on Tuesday, Adam Rank from NFL Network will be joining us. We'll be talking about everything uh, about the Bears and uh, fantasy football and uh, talk about his upcoming show uh, in the Chicago area. That's happening on the 21st. I still haven't gotten the details. I should email him about that. I'll have more information for you guys on Friday when I talk to uh, Lauren about uh, what the show is, where you can get it and tickets and so on and so forth if you're interested. But he will be on the show next Tuesday to, to talk about, uh, well, everything. We'll talk about Adam Rank and how he got to where he is with the NFL Network. And uh, what's the deal? Because I, I got in touch at, with Adam through another show on the Armchair Network, which was a Los Angeles Angels podcast. So it turns out Adam Rank is a Angels fan. So is he an L.A. guy that grew up as a Bears fan, or is he a Chicago guy that somehow became an Angels fan? We'll get to the bottom of that and everything else in between with Adam Rank. Then Coach Don Patterson, um, the head coach at Western Illinois when I was there, who also happened to be on the same coaching staff at the University of Buffalo that was coaching Khalil Mack. He'll share some stories about Khalil and also talk about his uh, 
his uh, his amazing career as an assistant to Hayden Fry in Iowa, his time as a head coach at Western Illinois, and the players that he came across uh, there uh, as well, and and everything else that that we can cover there. I'm really looking forward uh, to having Coach P on the show and and uh, digging into that with them. Then uh, Carolina Teague from ESPN in San Antonio uh, is going to be on the show, a Chicago girl working down there in uh, Texas. And then uh, Emery Moorhead will be on the week of training camp to talk about training camp and what it was like and how he prepared for it, what players go through today to get ready, and obviously the vast difference between the generations. 30 years ago when Emery was a player, there was a lot more into training camp than there is today. And it's documented and legal and, and all that kind of stuff that uh, hitting is is is, at a, is a bare minimum trying to preserve these players' bodies for the regular season so they don't get too beat up uh, during preseason and, and, and to get ready for uh, for the regular season and such. So we'll talk about all that and everything else. So Adam Rank, Carolina Teague, Coach Patterson, Emery Moorhead, those will be the last four shows before we head into the preseason. And I'm pretty sure I've got it timed out just right that the Carolina Teague episode will be coming out. And then the following week will be our first review episode of the year as we talk about the Bears and the Panthers week one in the preseason. So uh, I think I'm I'm timing them out just right. Instead of having two episodes a week, I think we're going to do one episode a week between now and then that that fourth and final episode will come out the week before um, the preseason games. Then we'll do like one a week for the preseason reviews and then bam, two shows a week in the regular season, a preview and a review as we barrel into this 2019 season that I have been looking forward to since before 2018 started. I've had a feeling, you guys know, I've said this several times, I had a feeling about 2019 since before the 2018 season started and I am so excited, so anxious and a little afraid to find out if I'm right about it, you know, because I don't want to be wrong. You know, I don't want to have been waiting for 2019 only to watch this team go 6-10 and 10 or something like that. So we know that's not going to happen. This is going to be an awesome football team. And uh, unless something catastrophic happens, we're going to be one of the best teams in the NFL and have a lot to say about how the 2019 season turns out. Uh, hopefully the road to Miami has to go through Chicago and the Bears redeem themselves in their last trip uh, to the Hard Rock Cafe Bowl or whatever the hell they're calling that place down. It used to be Joe Robbie when I was a kid, but who knows what they're calling it now. The stadium where the Dolphins play is hosting the Super Bowl this year. The last time the Bears went down there for a Super Bowl, they lost to the Colts. So hopefully we'll redeem ourselves and reclaim the NFL championship, a.k.a. the Super Bowl crown, the Lombardi Trophy, bringing it back home to Hallis Hall in Lake Forest in Chicago. Loving it. So... Anyway, come on back Friday. Lauren Cox and myself break down our beloved 2019 Chicago Bears, what they could be, what they will be, what we want them to be, and everything in between. So until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been Bears Talk Underground.